0: On today's episode of Watch Time, we're talking with financial YouTuber Marco Zladek from the channel Whiteboard Finance. We'll be discussing how Marco started his YouTube channel and was able to grow it to over 300,000 followers. Stick around. You're listening to Watch Time, supercharged video marketing tips for the savvy small business owner and the modern mid-market professional with Flex Media's Kathy Zip and Bill Barona. Welcome back. I'm Bill Barona.
1: And I'm Kathy Zip.
0: And today we're going to be taking a dive into YouTube and discussing how to start and grow a successful YouTube channel. Since YouTube's creation in 2005, the platform has come a long way from people looking up silly cat videos and uploading their family vacations. Since that time, YouTube has turned into the second largest search engine with over 46 million YouTube channels and
1: 1.8 billion users. So because of YouTube's power and potential, you know, we get so many clients at Flex Media that want to leverage the platform, but it's not always as easy as it seems. So that's why we've asked Marco Zladek from Whiteboard Finance, a great YouTube channel, over 300,000 followers, to discuss how he got started and grew his channel. So Marco, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to share your expertise with us.
2: Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me.
1: Maybe a, a good place to start would be just kind of introducing us, you know, to a little bit about yourself, your background and, and how you got started in finance and got in to be a, a YouTube sensation here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm far from a sensation, I think, but I appreciate that uh, title. Um, so I actually uh, had an interest in stocks and pretty much the stock market since I was a teenager and I actually started investing when I was 18. Um, So that was actually a critical point of graduating high school. And I said to myself, well, I like teaching, I like helping people, and I like finance. Um, So instead of becoming a teacher, I decided to go to school for finance to ultimately become a financial advisor. Um, I ended up graduating in a situation that we're kind of in right now at the time of this recording where the economy was absolutely terrible. Um, So I actually never fulfilled that path of becoming a financial advisor. I had a bunch of different types of jobs. Um, ultimately worked in finance, commercial real estate, you know, tech startups, things like that. Um, And I never really scratched that itch of becoming a financial advisor. So I said, you know what, screw this, I'm going to start my own YouTube channel and just started recording in front of a whiteboard.
1: So tell us a little bit about that YouTube journey, kind of, you know, how, how you got started. um, And then, you know, how, how your channel kind of Evolved from that? Like, did you do a lot of pre planning before you got started, or do you just kind of jump in?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. So, um, I think that like paralysis analysis is a real thing when you start like researching all these different things and just, you know, you never get started. So, I just said one day, I told my brother in law, I said, you know what, I think a good idea um, to simplify these uh, somewhat perceived complex financial concepts would be just to do it on a whiteboard, kind of like a chalkboard. Um, so I went on Craigslist, bought a really big whiteboard, uh, him and I, we drove it back. We actually had on the roof of our car in Cleveland in like November. Uh, so we're like freezing our hands off, (laughs) um, transporting this thing back to my house. Um, so basically I just said, you know what, I bought this really nice camera. I'm going to put it to use, bought the whiteboard and just created whiteboard finance and just started talking about, you know, pretty basic topics if you understand finance, but for the everyday you know, um, uh, average person who may not understand these things or perceive them to be more complex than they really are. Um, you know, it's a good way to actually understand these concepts in a very simple way.
1: Definitely. You know, I love, I love the whiteboard thing. Cause even in the age of technology, Bill and I also have a gigantic whiteboard. Sometimes, <laughs> you know, as you're just brainstorming things, you, you know, you want to just write it out. And so I love your appreciation for whiteboards as well. Um so when again you know when you're starting your your YouTube channel you know did you research any other kind of channels to maybe see what you know demographics they were targeting and if not that's cool but you know did you look around a little bit
2: Yeah so I think that's a good first step for a lot of other uh, potential or um YouTubers that are aspiring to be YouTubers if you will Um, So if you're interested in a subject, and I'm the first one to tell you that YouTube, as you mentioned in your intro, it's the second biggest search engine in the world. You know, it's Google, then YouTube, and Google owns YouTube. So obviously, they're going to play together and kind of recommend each other's content and vice versa. So I think that, um, I didn't do too much research, but what I would recommend for anyone that's, uh, aspiring to become a YouTuber is take the interest that you have, whatever that may be. So whether it's gardening or underwater basket weaving or whatever, um, find a like and similar channel to yours and just see what kind of content they're making. But you always want to be yourself. You don't want to, you know, blatantly try and copy someone verbatim, but you want to get a little bit of inspiration, see what they're doing and then make, make it your own, if you will.
1: I think another thing that sometimes people, you know, can be confused about is, you know, should you, how should you kind of go about growing your channel? Like, should you make a bunch of videos first before you launch? Or, you know, should you just kind of, you know, like start by releasing a video every week? You know, how did you start? Did you make a bunch of videos before you, you know, actually started uploading them? And, you know, how many did you make each week or how did you kind of go about structuring your content?
2: Yeah, that's, that's another great question. So I think the easiest way to learn something is to actually do it again, going back to my uh, comment about uh, paralysis analysis or vice versa. um, You know, you don't, you don't want to get stuck in the weeds. You just want to ride the bike, take off the training wheels, you know, go down the hill with the snowboard, you know, and you'll naturally figure it out. I think that if you try and practice too much and just, you know, pump out a bunch of videos, but never release them, you know, that's not going to get you anywhere. Um, you, uh, I think with YouTube, people don't really want overproduced content. They want the raw, you know, bill, they want the raw Katie, they want the raw Marco, if you will. And that's why I think I do have such a, um, you know, I guess large following just because I am myself in all my videos, you know, if people like it, great. If you don't, I couldn't care less because I'm just being myself. Um, So to answer your question, I did not create a bunch of videos and kind of just practice and maybe sit on them potentially. What I did was I just, I wasn't afraid to put myself out there. If people are going to make fun of me and say, oh, you know, you have a big nose or your whiteboard sucks or your audio is terrible or whatever. um, You take that with a grain of salt, you, you remember it and you improve upon that feedback, whether it's constructive or not. And then you ultimately just keep riding the bike. You keep going back down the hill with the snowboard. You know, you keep falling. um, But you if you look at my videos, you can search from oldest to newest and you'll laugh at like my oldest videos. I haven't deleted any of them Um, compared to the newer ones. You just get more comfortable. And I think that's how you grow with anything in life. It's just repetition and practice.
1: When you first did start producing videos, then were you, you know, how many were you making a week maybe when you got started? And how does that compare to the number that you're putting out now?
2: Yeah, th- another great question. Um, so I, I started this as kind of like a hobby, you know, nights and weekends. It was a passion project. I didn't expect to, you know, make any significant income from it. Maybe, you know, a few hundred bucks a month here or there, maybe some affiliate income, you know, whatever. It's, it's just a nice little side hustle. Um, however, um, I put out as many as I could a week reasonably, um, which was only about one, maybe two at the time, um, just because I was working a full-time job. And again, this was like a nights and weekends kind of passion project. And now to answer the second part of your question, I'm still putting about about one or two a week. However, I feel like the topics are um, better highly produced. You know, I'm more of myself just because I don't have to worry about you know, scrambling from the nine to five job and you know editing this video and getting it out for YouTube, I have more time to make the videos better. So the quantity hasn't changed, but I do feel like the quality has gone up. Like I do shoot in 4K now, which you guys obviously know and so does your audience. I shoot in 4K, uh, my editing process is a little bit better on the back end with Premiere Pro. I use the whole Adobe suite of products. Um I feel like my thumbnails have gotten better. I feel like my titles have gotten better. Um, and same thing with the descriptions, you know, um, the descriptions are what we call metadata, meaning that you're teaching the algorithm, Hey, my video is about how to tie a tie or how to ride a snowboard, for example, and it's reading what it's in the description and it's helping the uh, algorithm confirm, Oh, this video really is indeed about tying your shoes or tying a tie or you know, riding a snowboard. If that makes sense. No, Marco, that's awesome.
0: That's great advice. And one thing I really want to touch on there that I, I think you hit and it was really on about you doing stuff on nights and weekends. And I think a lot of people seem to think like, I'm just going to jump on YouTube. I'm going to start making videos. I'm going to quit my job right away, or I'm just going to make all of you know this money from running ads or affiliate links. Can you talk a little bit too about uh, your channel growth? I know, um, you know, just looking at some of your past posts on Instagram and that looked like last year around, Right now, you're about thirty thousand subscribers. now you're you're well over three hundred thousand subscribers. Um, can you talk about a little bit how you saw that channel growth start to take off and um, kind of why you think that was?
2: Yeah, so uh, basically, uh, when I started my channel in November of seventeen, Um, I did have a pretty successful video right off the start. It had to do with um, cannabis stocks. That was like a really popular thing a couple years ago um, that has since died down. But that really helped get my initial first, you know, couple thousand subscribers. And then after that, I went into a little bit of a lull uh, just because I had a lot of like personal um, things come up like deaths in the family and, you know, just a bunch of stuff, getting married, you know, life kind of took over. And I went on a hiatus of six months. So the reason I'm telling you this is because I had a little bit of momentum. I went on that hiatus and then I came back after six months and started posting. And for that second period of posting, which lasted six months as well, I felt like the algorithm was not favoring my channel. It was not recommending my videos. I wasn't quote unquote in favor, you know, with Google or with YouTube, if you will. So the reason I'm saying that is because I posted consistently for six months. And right at that six month mark, I feel like the algorithm kind of took me out of the sandbox, the algorithmic sandbox and started recommending my videos. So the ultimate answer to your question for growth is that when you start a YouTube channel, you kind of have to treat it as a side business, meaning that you need to upload consistently. You need to upload you know, a certain amount of times, whether it's per month or per week, depending on your content type, and you need to really treat it like a business. You can't just be like a hobbyist and expect to see results. Like, yeah, there's, of course, there's always the, um, one off video that goes viral or has success, but if someone comes back to that video's channel and they see that, oh, this is the only video this channel has, this guy has, you know, a couple of videos about his kids and his dog, they're not going to subscribe. Now, if you have a portfolio of videos, meaning that, oh, okay, some of my videos weren't being recommended, but I know that they're still good quality and people come back to you after they see your recommended video. Um, Say it's a viral video, for example, they're going to see that catalog or that portfolio of good content and they're going to subscribe because uh, at the end of the day, people are just there for value um, and for you. It's kind of like a combination of personality and then value, you know, coming, uh, receiving the value or answering the question that they asked, for example.
0: I feel like we get a lot of clients that come in and right away what they want to do is they want to figure out how they can create a video that's going to just automatically go viral and that's going to be their their success and how they can make YouTube or even Facebook, anything that they're trying to use video for work. And Mm -hmm. I was wondering if, and and if you do, that's great. If you didn't, um, but if you could talk a little bit too about if there was a plan when you first started, like how you were going to lay these videos out and then, um, how you were actually going to try and trigger that algorithm and what that plan was.
2: Yeah. So I think my content strategy uh, is pretty simple. So, um, If you think of a pyramid, okay, so think of like the food pyramid, you have your base, which is like carbs, which is probably wrong in 2020, but you know, when we were in school, it was carbs, right? And then you have like, you know, meats, fruits and vegetables, and you have like fats and oils, eat sparingly, you know, that kind of a thing. So if you picture like a food pyramid, the bottom of my pyramid is evergreen content. So it's like, what's, what are, what are normal human beings searching? You know, how to tie a shoe, how to tie a tie. You know, stuff that's always going to be relevant, you know, 20 years from now, people are still going to need to know how to tie their shoes, right? I'm just using that as an example. So evergreen content is at the bottom in the middle is more like trending stuff. So like top three cannabis stocks for 2017, you know, that was a popular video then, you know, because it's kind of like a trending subject. And then at the top is like your fats, oils, and sweets, you know, they eat sparingly, like don't post this kind of video too many times kind of a thing. Um, and that is like your swinging for the fences, viral videos. So like how car dealerships rip you off the truth, you know, that kind of stuff, or like why Dave Ramsey's wrong about credit cards. You know, you're swinging for the fences on those videos because you want them to go viral, but you don't want to be quote unquote that guy. You know, you don't want to be the car dealership guy. You don't want to be the Dave Ramsey debunker guy. You want to just sprinkle those in into your catalog of content.
0: That's actually really interesting. Just hearing how you explain that, because I feel like a lot of people, I almost I don't want to say clickbait, but I feel like it's kind of like those those top of the pyramid things you're talking about are kind of like the clickbaity topics. I mean, you're talking about it, but it's the stuff that, you know, people are going to want to click on and see right away because it's kind of like that controversial topic versus mm-hmm. like, um, you know, actually creating more helpful content. Because I know that's kind of been the approach. A lot of our clients have come to us and talked about is what can we get you know people to look at if we put it out there? We want to get these clicks and get people to click on it and click through it. Um I guess the other thing I would kind of look at, you know, based on that's how you grew it to where you are now. Do you have any other plans going forward? Or are you changing any of your strategy? Is there anything, you know, maybe different happening with the algorithm that you're adjusting for?
2: Yeah, good question. So I think with um, where my the subject matter that my channel talks about, which is obviously personal finance, stock market, entrepreneurship, real estate, things like that. Um, I think where we're at right now with the economy with like the Dow getting crushed and you know, we have almost 10 million unemployed people are filing for unemployment these past two weeks. Um, I think the algorithm is really favoring, uh, these current events. So we have a $2 trillion stimulus package, so I'm trying to break that down a little bit. We have high unemployment numbers. I'm trying to help people find, uh, companies that are hiring, um, you know, the stock market is getting crushed. What are some good, uh, stocks to look at right now? So I'm kind of milking that middle of the pyramid with current events just because the news is so powerful right now. Um, I don't want my channel to be a news channel, and it definitely isn't. But when it comes to how the market has been these past couple of weeks at the time of this recording, um, it is like absolutely paramount that I talk about this just because people are— perceiving me and I am to be a subject matter expert on this stuff. So if your channel is about, you know, surfing, you probably don't want to talk about how the stock market is crashing, you know, but um, there's definitely ways to tie, you know, surfing into, you know, uh, the pandemic that is currently going on with hygiene and stuff like that. So I'm just giving you an example, but don't force it is what I'm trying to say. Don't try to put a square peg into a round hole. So if your channel isn't about finance and it's about, you know, basket weaving, why would you talk about the stock market kind of a thing?
0: That makes a lot of sense. And just thinking of that too, like kind of going off that we have listeners that are trying to come up with topics. Do you have any recommendations on where they can look? I mean, obviously I know you're talking about things that are happening right now, but are there better places for them for their specific topic to go and look and come up with ideas?
2: Yeah. So, say for example, uh, you're a gardener and you have a, a forum or a channel, or you go to a website and there's always the same questions being asked, like, why are my flowers dying? Or even better yet, why are my very specific plant, insert very specific plant here, you know, dying in January, that kind of a thing. Those are what we call long tail keywords instead of like how to plant a garden or you know how to plant specific plant in january you know when the weather is this you know that kind of a thing that's a long tail keyword so uh, to answer your question of finding topics or video topics if a question is being asked multiple times by the same people that's a that's a video topic so if you see it coming you know twice three times 20 times if you see that same question being asked that's a legitimate, uh, viable topic for video because I guarantee you, if those five people are asking about it and they're interested in planting a certain plant, I guarantee you a thousand other people are interested in it as well. That's great advice.
0: And just out of curiosity, like for example, if maybe somebody that's listening to this is a local business, would it make sense to maybe even look at like um, polling their, their customer base and seeing if this is a common question amongst them or is it better to just keep searching online?
2: Yeah, either way, however you can get it. I think that if you're already an existing business and uh, say you're an insurance agency, you know, people are coming to you with the same questions over and over again. Those are the things that you should be making videos out of is those common questions. I mean, polls would be great. Surveys would be great. But I think just working in the field that you're working in, like even you guys, I'm sure you get the same questions asked like, Hey, you know, what should I, what should I do for this audio? Or how are we filming this or whatever? I mean, I don't know your business as well as you do, but I'm sure you get the same similar questions over and over again for certain things.
1: So you were kind of talking about, you know, at first you started off by just trying to get the content out there, you know, make the videos for YouTube. And then as you go along, you learn what kind of things you can improve to, um, help your videos be, you know, pushed out by the algorithm. So I know, you know, some of those things are like thumbnails and titles and keywords. So maybe we can start with titles for your video. You know, what do you recommend for a good title for your video? What's YouTube looking for, you know, how do you come up with those?
2: Uh, Yeah, so there's like two schools of thought, or at least what I've observed, there's like two ways to be successful with this. One is kind of the approach that I've taken is just to type in, you know, make the title what a human would type in as a question. So, you know, how to balance a checkbook, you know, it's very bland, but if someone is literally typing in that title, there's a good chance that your video is going to come up in at least, you know, the first you know, five to 10 search results, depending on the, um, popularity and the size of your channel and how well you did with that video. Um, the other school of thought is if you look at some of these more creative guys, um, they'll make a video where they're sitting in an empty apartment and say, I sold everything in lowercase letters with a period at the end, you know, very dramatic. So that has nothing to do with the algorithm, but it has to do with humans. Like, Oh, as a human, I'm interested to see why is this guy sitting in an empty room, you know, with the thumbnail, And then the uh, title says, I sold everything and all lowercase letters, very dramatic, right? Um, So I think if you combine those two, that's kind of what I've been doing um, lately. So if I'm talking about like the SBA, they just gave out a um, potentially a $10,000 grant. If you're a small business owner, you you can get that advance and that may end up being a grant for free money. I kind of created the title that played on both. The algorithm and the human uh, emotions, if you will. So I was talking about the ten thousand dollar, you know, stimulus loan or you know, federal stimulus loan, whatever you want to call it. And then I uh, added in capital letters, you know, time sensitive or act fast, you know, something like that. Um, it was a little bit like salesy, but every, everything I do in my videos is one hundred percent not clickbait. You know, whatever the video is about, I deliver on. Um, and I think that's why people like me. But to answer your question, it's kind of like taking both approaches that i talked about you have the i sold everything you know lowercase letters it's like oh a human understands what that means the algorithm may not understand what i sold everything means and then you have the other um the other approach which is kind of like how to balance a checkbook and you kind of just marry those two and i see i think that's been pretty successful
1: that's awesome advice and you know same thing goes for your thumbnails you know how how important are thumbnails to YouTube? I think that's something people may not think about because it's graphic and people may think, you know, like, is that part of the search and the algorithm, but how important is that? And then how do you go about choosing and then creating your own thumbnails?
2: Yeah, so thumbnails are probably the most important aspect of YouTube. I I know it sounds crazy, but you know, in my opinion, audio is number one. If your audio sucks, no one's gonna watch your videos. Um, I know it sounds counterintuitive, but um, video quality is not number one. It's audio. Um, Your video could be 8K, you know, shot on like a red cinema camera whatever it's called. You know what I mean? And so does your audience. I probably sound like an idiot right now, but the red $8 million uh, cinematic camera. um, But it doesn't matter if your audio sucks. You know, no one's going to stick around to listen to you. So number one is audio. Number two is obviously video quality. To answer the question specifically about how important thumbnails are, um, they're probably the most important to get people into your videos period um, Whether your title is great or not the title helps with the algorithm It helps with the metadata like how to tie how to tie a tie Oh, okay. Al- uh, the algorithm knows that this video is probably about how to tie a tie However, will a human click on your thumbnail if the thumbnail sucks? so what I tell people is pretend like you're sitting on a subway in New York City and you're on your commute to work and people are just scrolling going 100 miles an hour down youtube how most people scroll if your thumbnail doesn't catch their eye it could be the greatest video ever created in youtube history but no one's going to see it because they never because your thumbnail sucks so your thumbnail has to be like a one-two punch with the title of the video does that make sense
1: yeah it definitely does and, and i like how you explained you know it it's not just about what YouTube's looking for—that's huge—but it's about what people are looking for, and, and it's kind of like when in doubt, you know, think like a human. So when, yep. how do you how do you put your thumbnails together? Then do you do you create your own or use a program?
2: I do create my own, uh, and as I mentioned, I use the entire Adobe suite. So I use uh, Photoshop, Premiere Pro, sometimes a little bit of After Effects, but not really. Um, but ultimately I'm a one man shop, so I record, edit, outline, you know, I'm literally a one man production company and that's kind of why I like YouTube just because you can kind of control your own destiny. If you want, you can keep your overhead low, you can make it high, you know, it's completely up to you. So at this point, you know, my videos aren't as you know sophisticated as yours because I'm just in one scene in front of a whiteboard. You guys are shooting multiple clips. Um, so to answer your question, Uh, Basically, I take my thumbnails. So before I start recording um, the actual video, I hit record on the camera and then I'll pose. Like I'll pose in front of the whiteboard. You know, like if I know my text is gonna be over here um, and for those on the audio, I'm just pointing to one side of my screen. If I know my text is on the left side of the screen, I'll do something on the right side of the screen and make it enticing um, because with the thumbnails, people like to see other humans and they like to see what they're gonna get in the video. So if my thumbnail has some girl with showing, you know, cleavage and a bikini and, you know, you know, 10 out of 10 physique, and I don't deliver that in the video, people are going to download that video. That's basically a clickbait thumbnail. People want to see what's in the thumbnail. They want to see that happen in the video. So all of my thumbnails are basically me with big capturing text. It's usually a yellow highlighted text with a black font, yellow highlighted background. With you know some either a portion of what's going on in the video, like a direct screenshot of the video, or me kind of posing before the video starts, um, and then kind of creating the thumbnail from there from there. So if the uh, video is about the Federal Reserve printing two trillion dollars out of thin air, I have like my mouth open, you know kind of like kind of like uh, borderline cliche at this point with some certain thumbnails. but you make it very exciting with big eyes, you know. And then I'm pointing to, like, a pile of cash that I put in in Photoshop, you know, that kind of a thing.
0: Do you consider the uh, the thumbnails kind of like, I guess just for people listening, is it? it's kind of like the movie poster. Like, when you're walking outside the movie theater and you see stuff that's coming up, it's kind of like your, your video's movie poster in a sense.
2: Absolutely. That, but it has to be even more um, gratifying, like, even more, like, impulsive than that. So, like, if you have, like, Jaws and it's like a silhouette of a shark... Like that's pretty cool because people are like sitting there examining the movie poster with a thumbnail. It's got to be even more enticing than that. But you're right. Your philosophy is right, but it has to catch them even faster than that.
0: And I also did want to comment too earlier when you were talking about the audio being more important than the video. That's 100% on uh, from the production tactics that we're always talking to different businesses about. So people listening, make sure that if your audio is just not on point, you have to start there. You have to work on your audio. And unfortunately, especially if you're a video production person listening, you know that that's one of the very few things that we get taught in video production training. Audio kind of goes out the window. So you got to make sure you have great audio. So that's solid advice.
1: Yeah, I I definitely agree because, you know, if you can't see the video, you might not you know, you might not uh, catch all of the content, but if you, if you can't hear it, you're not going to get anything. Exactly. So, great points. Um, so then the last or one more part of, of the thumbnail before we move on, and this can kind of go for, you know, any content sometimes, you know, bill and I are talking and we're like, well, you know, do you think like this thumbnail works better or this topic even or things like that. And sometimes we'll actually reach out to our audience on maybe social media and pull them with what they like do you ever do anything like that
2: yeah that's a great question i think that if you so without formally polling them uh if you just look at going back to that philosophy of like do you get the same questions over and over again so the comment section of the videos is a great way to understand what your audience wants to know so a lot of the comments are obviously going to be about the video they just watched Um, But some of them will be like, you know, Hey, I want to know if now is a good time to buy a house. Hey, Marco, I want to know about X, Y, and Z. So going back to that original um, point earlier in the video, or excuse me, in the podcast, um, you know, if you keep hearing the same questions over and over again, it's probably video worthy. So yeah, not necessarily a formal poll, but I think the comment section is great.
1: Yeah, that's definitely, it's great to be getting comments because you know, you're you feel connected, people are watching the video and everything, but also great place to pull additional, um, ideas from as well. So then the last part of that too is keywords. And I know you and Bill kind of touched on this, but how do you decide on keywords for your video? What, what are good keywords to use? And then how do they kind of play into the search on YouTube?
2: Yeah, so that's uh, that's more intermediate or advanced. I think that if you are using certain software, there's a bunch of them. There's Ahrefs, there's um, KeywordsEverywhere.io, there's a bunch of them. And it'll actually show you, um, so you know when you search in Google and you type in, you know, how to tie a tie, uh, it'll start to populate different variations of that question. So if you type in, you know, how to tie, and they'll give you a bunch of different results that people are looking for. Typically, the first one is the most popular search for a reason and Google is telling you that so Google is literally telling you what people are searching for most if you just use that autocomplete feature and then if you use like a tool like keywords everywhere, it'll actually show you like the monthly or weekly searches, um, the volume of search for that specific term. Um, So that's a very good question. So with keywords um, determining what's popular is basically going back to that philosophy of what's going on with my pyramid. So am I using ever, am I doing evergreen content? Am I doing trending content or am I doing like the clickbaity content? And then I take that idea and try and find out what the best, uh, search phrase or search keyword would be for that video idea. If that makes sense.
1: That definitely makes sense. And so once you kind of know the keywords, where are you are you using that? Is is it things that you want to have in your title? Is it in the um, you know description? Like where do you want to have those keywords?
2: Yeah, definitely title because I think that holds the most weight with the algorithm. Um, so your titles are very important. Uh, definitely in the description because earlier in the video I talked about metadata. You know if your if your video has a really nice robust description, that's kind of like more uh, fodder for the algorithm to search and to crawl, if you will. And then also tags. So for the people that aren't familiar with YouTube in the back end, when you upload a video, you can tag the video. So if it's about how to tie a tie, you can do how to tie a tie, tie tying, uh, this, knot, that knot, X, Y, Z, knot. you know, I just don't know the different double Windsor, triple Windsor. I don't know. I don't work at men's warehouse. I don't know, but the different types of knots, um, you can start doing that kind of stuff and use, uh, keywords in your tags as well.
0: One thing I was just curious about, and I don't know if you know the answer to this, I know that Um, YouTube has been kind of going through, uh, basically with YouTube studio beta and now it's YouTube studio. And I noticed that, uh, one of the options when you're uploading now is you can actually tag locations. I know your videos aren't necessarily location specific, but have you experimented with that at all? Or do you know if that helps in terms of search?
2: That's a, that's a great question and I'm sure it does. Otherwise they wouldn't have it as an option. Um, I've used this on Instagram. You can add a location. Sometimes I'll put like you know west side market here in cleveland or whatever um but on youtube you're right my videos aren't uh, geographic specific but i th- i'm sure it helps if the video deems it okay so say for example uh you're a huge youtuber and you're shooting a, a some sort of contest in madison square garden or like you know uh wherever some some prominent site somewhere Maybe it would help to tag that video at Madison Square Garden, or, you know, New York City or whatever you want to tag it as. I think that may help the algorithm know, like, hey, I know that uh, Bill lives close to Madison Square Garden. Let me push this video out to him to see if he's interested in it. I'm just guessing. I'm just guessing that's yeah. not uh, you know it's not proven, but yeah, thank you. I think that's what it would help with.
0: Well, and correct me if I'm wrong too, and just for everyone listening, I feel like, you know, a lot of this stuff, it really goes back to um, marketing, you know, and at the end of the day, I feel like marketing is very much a, you know, you kind of have to like make those guesses and try things and I'm sure you do with your videos, you try something, you look at the data afterwards, you see versus other videos you've done, you try to improve each time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that's the thing with, uh, so if people, if your audience aren't uh, on YouTube or don't have access to a creator studio, as you mentioned, um, you'd be amazed at the analytics that Google gives us, you know, on the back end. Like, I literally know what percentage of my audience is male, female, um, you know, their age, you know, I don't know their income, but like, you know, Google does pretty much just based on their search. You guys have to realize that Google is 1984 big brother. They know everything about everyone, especially if you're on the whole Android Gmail ecosystem. They know what emails you're opening. They know what emails you're sending. They know... I mean, these devices, I know this sounds like tinfoil hat stuff, but it's hundred percent true. These devices, these cell phones, they're recording 100% of the time. And that's why the text to speech has gotten so good as it has. Um, and they actually, if, if you don't believe me, go to a YouTube video, turn on the closed captioning on any of my videos. It is almost 99% correct. And I've never submitted closed captioning on my videos. It literally knows my voice at this point, which is another tip. Um, and I know I'm rambling here, but it all ties together. Um, another tip is your your subject matter in the video has to match what the metadata is. So if your thumbnail is about hey here's my new Ferrari, the title is about hey here's my new Ferrari, the description is about hey here's my new Ferrari, the tags are about a Ferrari, and your video is about you know feeding your ten ten week old puppy, the the algorithm knows that the video is not about a new Ferrari. It knows that it's about a puppy. So and that's I know that for a fact.
0: That's great advice, too, for people that are maybe trying to, you know, figure out like why, you know, I'm posting a video about this and they need to kind of take a look and see, you know, all of those things like you're saying and making sure they're all aligned and figuring out why their video might not be performing the way they think it is.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. The things you literally say in the video have to match up with what you're portraying the video to be. Well, and
0: speaking of uh, just like trying to promote your video and trying to like get everything on the same page, do you use other social media platforms to help promote your video and then try and actually like drive traffic from one platform to another?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. And, uh, the way I use it, I use basically LinkedIn, I use Twitter and I use Instagram. Um, I don't really use much else, but, um, what I've noticed is if you want to upload natively to LinkedIn, so say for example, your video is 10 minutes or less, LinkedIn will literally let you upload that dot MP4 file, uh, the video file to LinkedIn and it'll actually, boost the, the rankings that that video gets because you're keeping the audience on LinkedIn. If you take your YouTube link, say your video is 10 minutes or longer, which most of mine are, and you do the same exact thing with the hashtags and descriptions. Um, I notice that I don't get as many views on LinkedIn, believe it or not. So my, my nugget of information there, my nugget of value there is if you're uploading to the platform, whether it's Facebook, you know, LinkedIn, you know, whatever, Um, you want to upload natively to the platform because those platforms like that, they want you to keep the eyeballs on their platform. Um, the way I use my links, my YouTube links is like I said, on Twitter, I'll make a post or a tweet, uh, on Instagram, I'll make a post in both the story and my, um, my own feed, if you will, I'll post the thumbnail and then uh, on LinkedIn, I'll literally just post the video with the description. Um, and whether it helps, you know, the algorithm from YouTube standpoint, you know, I really don't care because at the end of the day, I'm still getting exposure to my videos period. So that's the way I look at it.
0: No, that's really good advice. And actually that's something we oftentimes tell our clients and that's, you know, people have to remember that social media channels are businesses. And if you start driving traffic off of that channel, it's going to hurt your chances because they want to keep people there and they want to sell ads. So that's smart of what you're doing, because now somebody that maybe they're not a big YouTube, user, but they're on LinkedIn and they see you, they might go to your channel and start following you, maybe become a YouTube user. They could go there, you know, to LinkedIn regularly and get your content. So that's really great advice. Yeah. Thank you. So from there, are there any other resources that you can recommend for maybe more training or in case any of our listeners want to get started with YouTube?
2: Yeah. So this is going to sound as self-serving, but I do have a waiting list for a course that I'm about to create where I teach literally everything that I know about YouTube. Um, maybe you can link that if you don't want to, that's fine, but I will be creating that. Um, but other resources that are free, um, are basically, you know, Reddit, Reddit has a really good YouTube subreddit. Um, so for the people not familiar, Reddit is just a big forum. It's reddit.com. Um, so, Reddit has a sub forum talking about YouTube and also YouTube creators, which is good. Um, and then the other the other um, resources that I use are actually YouTubers themselves. So there's YouTube channels dedicated to helping you grow a YouTube channel. Um, uh, so I know like Daryl Eaves is pretty good. There's Tim Schmoyer. He's from Cincinnati. Um there's um, the guys out of Vegas, I can't remember their Sean name right Cannell. now. I think, yeah, Sean Cannell, exactly. Yeah, he's great. Um, so yeah, if you, if you guys have talked about these people in the past, I mean, I highly recommend them as well. Roberto Blake, Roberto Blake is good.
0: No, that's really great advice. And we will, uh, we'll definitely link your course that you have coming up because we really appreciate you coming on here. And obviously just based on, you know, as everything you're talking about on the show today, um, just based on your stature, very knowledgeable with what you're talking about. So we definitely want to get some people over to you so they can start learning. Thank you. Is there anything that we didn't really touch on that maybe you wanted to kind of talk about, or maybe just mention, like, or maybe even if you have like a couple tips that you really want people to take away from this podcast?
2: Yeah, definitely. So this is going to apply more for aspiring YouTubers, maybe not necessarily um, your audience if they're going to be video producers and content creators like you guys working from you know the other side of the camera. Um, but my advice is whether it's business or whether it's YouTube is that. You're going to see a dip at some point, whether it's in your business. And I don't mean necessarily revenue. I just mean that you'll know when you feel it. Uh, Maybe you're not getting as many views as you anticipated. Maybe you're not signing as many clients as you anticipated. Whenever you meet that dip, you got to push through it um, with some common sense. So the book that I'd recommend for everyone is called The Dip. uh, And basically it talks about, hey, When we're in this dip, does it make sense to continue this pursuit or should we kind of pivot at this point? So, um, I think that if you're going to pursue YouTube, you should not expect to see any meaningful results in at least six months at six to 18 months is actually what I would recommend. So if you're going to eat a bunch of crap and if this wasn't a podcast and we're just having a beer at the bar, I'd probably use a different word. Um, but you're going to eat a bunch of crap for at least six months. So don't expect to see any results for at least half a year.
0: No, that makes a lot of sense. It really does. And I think that that's one thing that we try and get to our clients constantly. And I I love that you hit the nail on the head with that. This is a long-term strategy. And I think for somebody that just thinks they're going to walk in, create five videos and just become this YouTube sensation. I mean, you're living proof at the work that you've put in doing this as a side hustle, building it and then being able to take it to a step further than that, and then be able to create a whole business out of it. And even going further, the training that you're offering, you're being able to make
2: multiple businesses out of this. Yeah, thank you. That's absolutely correct. I, I hit that dip when I went through those personal, you know, the personal losses and all that stuff. And after that hiatus, when I didn't see the results, even after six months of consistently posting, like I was this close to quitting. I'm like, you know, I, I, I provided value, you know, forget this, but I pushed through it. And now, you know, it's literally my full time gig. So that's just pushing through that dip, as I mentioned earlier. Well, thank you very much. We really appreciate it. Um, if
0: people are listening, if they want to learn more about you or if they want to uh, learn about your course, which we will link it um, in the show, but where uh, where can people find out more about you?
2: Yeah. So number one is obviously YouTube. If you just type in whiteboard finance, whiteboard is one word. Um, I'll definitely come up. And then Twitter is whiteboard fin F-I-N uh, Instagram is whiteboard of finance and then LinkedIn. Uh, I'm sure my name will be in the show notes. If you just put in my name in Google LinkedIn will probably be the first thing that comes up. So yeah, that's, yeah. Thank you so much for having me, uh, Bill and Kathy. It was a pleasure.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much, Marco. It's an awesome show. We'd love to have you on again soon, you know, take a little deeper dive in your channel and hear about your continued growth. Um, But we want to hear from our audience too. Make sure that you send us any topics that you want to hear us discuss on the podcast. You can send that to info at flexmediacle.com or direct message us on any of our social channels at flexmediacle on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Uh, Let us know how we're doing. Rate us, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or your favorite podcast platform. Um, And then please subscribe if you haven't already so that you don't miss any of the great content that we're putting out. So hope everybody stays well, continue learning during this time, and we'll catch you on the next podcast.
0: Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Watch Time. Make sure to subscribe and share the podcast and leave us feedback on today's episode.
1: That's a wrap.